chapter 20, and we're going to be reading verses 19 through 29. As you probably remember, Jesus, at this point in the, in the passage, Jesus has died, been buried, he has Seen uh, Peter and John have seen the empty tomb, and Jesus has appeared to Mary and the other women and sent her with a message to the other disciples. And they gather in the evening of that same day that he rose. And of course, you know, you'd have to. You'd have to get together to discuss all the crazy things that have happened in the last three days, Right? And I think last week I was talking about just imagining being at that meeting, the mixture of hope, of fear, of sorrow, of confusion, all of the emotions that are running through people's heads at that time and and in their hearts. And then Jesus is among them. But Thomas was not present And Thomas would not believe the other apostles when they told him about it. We'll read this this morning. And we so often are disbelieving like Thomas. Disbelieving. Unbelieving. God, however, Jesus is very gracious and very patient. With our unbelief, he's very gracious and patient with Thomas. And yet, he, he does rebuke Thomas in a, in a sense through the, through the blessing that he gives to other people besides Thomas. And that's what I want us to focus our attention on this morning, that it is better to believe even before we get that hard proof, that faith is indeed a gift and a blessing from the Lord. So please stand for the reading of God's Word from John chapter 20, again, verses 19 through 29. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. 
Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thomas, if you are familiar with him, you may remember that he has uh, an addition to his name. It's that called an appellation, I think. What is, that, what is that addition to his name that Thomas is called by? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Now I ask you, is that a fitting description for him, having read this? Does Thomas, does Thomas doubt? I, I want to tell you this morning, I read this passage and I thought to myself, That's a terrible name for Thomas. Thomas does not doubt. Thomas does way more than doubt. That's like one of the the descriptions that you see in the middle of the chapter, the headings that that they inserted into your Bible that don't really do a good job describing anything about what's going on in the next few paragraphs because they're always way, way softer than what's actually happening. You know what I'm saying? Doubting Thomas... Well, yes, I mean, it's true, he is doubting, he's doubting Thomas, but how about disbelieving Thomas? He more than doubts, doesn't he? He says he, he, says he refuses to believe. It's not that, the, you know, you see the difference, right? <laughs> I mean, when we doubt things, we wonder whether they're true. And, that, and it even implies that we don't really think that they're true, but doubt has very, very clearly part of its meaning the possibility that it's true, right? Doubt, when there's a doubt, it means that there's a possibility. But when you say, I refuse to believe, you're more than doubting. And why does he refuse to believe? He refuses to believe because he demands proof. And not just any proof, right? He lays out exactly what the proof is that he wants, or that he demands. And that proof is, unless he does what? What does he say? He's not going to believe unless what? Verse 25, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. Many, many people today are Thomases. People who are refusing to believe unless they get the exact sign that they demand, right? 
many, many non-Christians today say that they're not going to believe without some sort of sign. Now, if you think about this, in the book of John, we've seen this We've this issue of belief and signs has been over and over and over again. John has been hitting on this, this theme of belief. And the signs that are there for people to believe are abundant, right? And you'd think that Thomas, being one of the twelve apostles, would believe. And yet Thomas is such an encouragement to me because just like Peter, you know, Peter's always sticking his foot in his mouth. And, and, I, and that's an encouragement to me because I like to stick my foot in my mouth too. But Thomas is an encouragement to me because I see myself in him as well. I see that kind of doubt if you want to use the softer word, right? That, that kind of disbelief. I see it in myself. I recognize that I really want hard proof. And I want it on my terms. I want the kind of proof that I want. Now, am I saying I'm, I, I disbelieve like Thomas, that I refuse to believe that Jesus rose? No, that's not what I'm saying. But, but I just want you guys to begin to see yourself in Thomas, to see your own temptations, your own disbelief. But now let's, let's step back for a second to, like I was saying, that there's all of these non-Christians who theoretically would say, yeah, I I would believe if, fill in the blank, right? Now, have you guys had these kinds of conversations with people? I hope that you have, and I hope that you continue to have conversations with people about your faith. And they'll say things to you like, I couldn't, I just, I don't know that I could ever believe 100%. Well, they're, they're currently not believing, they're, they're currently believing 0%, right? <laughs> and, and then you, you testify to God's goodness, you testify to his mercy, you, you call them to believe, to repent and believe, and, and they refuse and they say, you know, if, if God really... wanted everybody to to know about him, don't you think he would give us some sort of a sign, like he'd speak from heaven or something? Ultimately, when you guys have these conversations, you're going to have people object yes to you, yes to... They'll try to throw your words back in your face. They'll try to find that you're a hypocrite. They'll, 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 many times, they'll go on the offensive against you. But ultimately, what they do is... They, they bring their offense against God. And you're standing in the place of God as you declare the truth to them, this message. And that's what we see in this passage in the early verses where Jesus appoints his apostles to be the preachers of his word as he sends them out. When he says... 
As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then what does he say? He says, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Are any of us apostles? No, none of us have been among the twelve, right? And yet, this work that he has given to his church goes on, and, and there are people called to various ministries and given various gifts, and some are given the gift and the calling of evangelism and some administration and so forth, right? But regardless, the church is going out into the world and proclaiming this good news. It is proclaiming, preaching repentance and faith in Christ Jesus, and you are a part of that work. And so you will have these, cons- these conversations. Even if you haven't been given the gift of evangelism, you will have these kinds of conversations, okay? They, they can't be avoided forever. And if you're trying to avoid them, you should stop. That's a sin. But even if you are always trying to avoid them, eventually it's going to happen. And when it happens, I want you to remember Thomas. Disbelieving Thomas. Refusing to believe Thomas. And, and don't, be, don't be surprised by people throwing the same kind of demands that Thomas throws. Thomas is one of the apostles and he does it. So is it any shock that unbelievers today would level these kinds of demands at God? And what does Jesus say? When Thomas eventually believes, he says to him, have you now believed? Blessed are they who have not seen and have believed. And this is something that you can say to people, right? You can tell them the story of Thomas. It's really simple. It's easy to remember. It's not a hard story to tell. You can just say, you know, that demand that you just gave, that's, that reminds me of, of something that's in the Bible. And if you, if you have your phone with you, you can read it to them. Right? But even if you don't, you don't have your Bible and you don't have your phone, you can tell them the story of Thomas. Thomas was one of the apostles. And after Jesus died and rose again, he said something pretty similar to you. He said that he would not believe unless he saw the nail and he could imprints and he could put his fingers in them and put his hand into the side where Jesus was pierced. And you know what? He got to do that. And Jesus then promised that those who believe without doing that are, are blessed. See how easy that is? Now, you think, what will that accomplish? I mean, that's what I immediately ask. Telling the story of Thomas, what will that accomplish? Well, your goal is to call them to not be disbelieving, but believing, right? And so you have that conversation, and you tell the story of Thomas, and you say, now... Believe. 
believe by faith. And you will be blessed for it. It will be a blessing to you. That's God's promise. And and listen. This is this is what it's like to proclaim the gospel. This is what it's like to evangelize. You can go through as many classes and courses and books and so forth on evangelism that you want, but if you simply know the word of God, if you if you give yourself to reading the word of God, you will always find that God brings to mind the things that need to be said. And it's beautiful. And so here you go. Here's one that you can just file away in your, in your memory with people who are being disbelieving. Just remember disbelieving Thomas. I know you're all going to think, how am I supposed to remember that? His name is Doubting Thomas. Okay, fine. Just remember Doubting Thomas. Remember him. And then have faith that these people can believe without receiving the sign, right? Now, let's talk about signs for a second. Because the idea of a sign being demanded, this happens in the Gospels. Jesus told the crowds that were demanding a sign that an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign and that no sign would be given them except one sign, right? And what was that one sign? It was the sign of Jonah. Now, what's the sign of Jonah? Well, do you remember the story of Jonah? You kids remember the story of Jonah? What happened to Jonah? Henry, do you know what happened to Jonah? Goat into a whale's mouth. That's right. <laughs> Swallowed up by a gigantic fish. And you thought watching the, natu- the, the, you know, the National Geographic channel was crazy. Things you see on that are pretty amazing. But imagine being swallowed by a fish, swallowed alive, and living inside the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And after, after three days, what did that fish do? Moses, do you know? That's right, the fish spit him out. Now, how, what in the world is the sign of Jonah? The kids all know the story of Jonah, right? So I hope all you adults know the story of Jonah too now. Jonah, the sign of Jonah, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ with his burial him being swallowed up into the grave for three days and three nights, and then being raised up alive out of the grave. So Jonah is just a figure, a picture, pointing forward to the fact that the Christ would come and would be crucified and would come up out of the grave, out from under the many waters, right? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's a beautiful picture it points forward to Christ, and then Christ says that only the sign of Jonah is going to be given. And so the sign of Jonah is given. And what does Thomas say? 
I need hard proof. I need hard proof that the sign of Jonah has been completed. He doesn't talk about the sign of Jonah, but you understand, right? This, this is Thomas really going way beyond, way beyond the, the pale here. What is he saying? He's saying to all the 11 other, or, or I guess 10 at that point, 10 other apostles, I do not believe what you are saying. Would that make you mad? If you were Peter, John, the others that were there? I know I'd argue with them a lot. <laughs> and, and not necessarily out of good intentions that I want him to somehow become believing, but just because I'm like, I told you. This is what happened. I'm telling the truth. Don't argue with me. Believe me. But I'm kind of argumentative that way. But it, but it bothers me when people don't believe what I tell them when I'm telling the truth, right? And, and there's, n- there's nobody that gets more offended when people don't believe them than a liar. Right? Have you guys ever experienced this? Maybe some of you are what I'm describing. <laughs> you lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. And people finally <laughs> figure out, oh, <laughs> this here is a liar. And then they don't believe you the one time you're telling the truth. And oh, how could you not believe me? <clears throat> but Peter and John, they saw the empty tomb. And John believed at that point. And that's the contrast that's really set up here, you guys. The contrast is between Thomas and John. And John is the one writing. And so he, he doesn't really bring those... He doesn't really bring it so explicitly together. But think about what Jesus says, Blessed are they who have not seen and yet believed. And John had only seen the empty tomb when he believed. Thomas required seeing, touching, feeling, and not eyewitness testimony from others who had. Thomas required all of this before he would believe, but John simply put his head inside the empty tomb and what? He believed. He believed. The sign of Jonah had been fulfilled. The tomb was empty. The fulfillment of that promise of Jesus. And Thomas, together with many in the crowds, refused to believe without a sign. And so... Jesus returns from the grave. He doesn't just rise and disappear. He, he rises and he comes back. And we are reading this morning the eyewitness account of that. 
Thomas refuses to believe that eyewitness testimony, and sadly, as we know, so do many others today. Many demand to see it for themselves. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. That describes everybody today who believes, right? Did not see and yet believed. Thomas saw what Thomas wanted to see. Thomas saw what Thomas demanded to see before he would believe. But no sign will be given except for the sign of Jonah. And so, when when you think about conversations with unbelievers, I want you to remember that it's not, uh, it's not, it's not odd for them to make this demand that they have to see it, that they have to touch it, they have to have some physical manifestation before they can believe. But I also want you to realize that there has been given the sign. And they have things that they can see. Okay? Just like Thomas. When you, when you think about all that he had been given up to that point, he had been given many, many things that should have been enough for him to believe, right? And so I don't want you to think that these people really have a pretty good point. Like, after all, why didn't... Why doesn't God just speak from heaven? Why doesn't God just answer their demands? Right? It's not not reasonable to demand those things when we've been given the kinds of signs that are the sign of Jonah. The empty tomb is evidence. And it's something that John saw in a way that we can't see today, right? I mean, you can go over there and you can look in empty tombs all you want, uh, but it's been a few years. (laughs) And so, you know, history has happened, and we don't know much about the places. If you go over there, oh, they'll tell you this is where this happened, and this is exactly where this happened, and this is the house that, and this, you know, there's all kinds of exact places where they can, well, a lot of them are, you know, all of that is just based on traditions handed down, or maybe some archaeological evidence and so forth that they've, that they've found. But what we have here is a written record from eyewitnesses about what happened. And what they said is, first the tomb was empty, And then Jesus came back. And he was alive. And we touched him. What's the evidence today? 
well, the primary evidence that people can see today in the way that John saw the empty tomb is you. You. You are, if you are a believer, you are the evidence that they can see. Because you, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit changes your life in a way that is not... Um, what, 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 how would you put it in, uh, in scientific terms? You know, not consistent with the pattern. The pattern is that man is sinful... And the Holy Spirit reaches in and changes you and breaks the mold, breaks the pattern. And no longer are you a slave to sin. And that's what people can see today. There's always something for them to see. That's, that's what I'm trying to drive at. You know, John, saw, John did not see and believed. And any Christian alive today had, did not see in the way that Thomas saw. But there is always fruit. There is always evidence of the truth of these words. And Jesus says that we who believe today are blessed. These non-Christians who are, who are making demands, how come he doesn't do X, Y, and Z? How come he doesn't simply show himself? If he's so loving, why doesn't he... And, and there's, always, there's always something more that can be said. There's always something more that can be demanded. But the sign of Jonah has been given. The tomb is empty. His body is missing still today because he rose and he ascended. And he then sent his Holy Spirit. And what has happened from that day? The world has been changed. The world has truly been changed from a group of 10, and then later Thomas gets added, so it's 11, right? In an upper room, believing, and a few women, millions and millions have believed and had their lives changed. And we are part of that church. That church militant. Fighting. Fighting what? Well, fighting our own sin first. But also fighting against the unbelief in the world and the wickedness in the world and seeking that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we pray that. That's a militant prayer. To pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to pray that the hearts and minds of unbelievers would be changed. 
and they don't want them to be changed. They want to continue in their sin. They want to do what they want to do, not what God's will is. And yet then when God reaches in and takes out a heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, then our will changes as well. And we want to do His will. Now, you Christians, as I said, we also fall into the same error of Thomas, not somehow in being unbelieving and not being saved. That's not what I'm talking about. I just mean that we have the same kinds of uh, inclinations to, to disbelieve. How many times has God blessed you with good gifts. Countless, countless times. He's given you a family. He's given you friends. He's given you clothing. He's given you shelter. He's given you food. He's given and given and given good gifts to you. And then, are you really going to sit there and assume that he has bad intentions for you and, and, and that bad things are going to happen to you until he proves otherwise? Some of us are more inclined to this kind of disbelief than others. But don't refuse to believe that God does good things and has good gifts and blessings and that his plan is for a hope and a future. Believe that. Believe it before you see all of those things come true. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, that promise will come true, whether you believe it or not. Okay? You have to believe it. But whether you believe it or not, he has promised, and he will fulfill his promise. So now let me ask you, is it more blessed to live believing that promise How would you rather live? Knowing, knowing that he is going to provide good things and blessings and a hope and a future to you if you have faith. Okay. Do you want to live assuming that actually he's not going to and being miserable and fearing what terrible things are going to befall you? Or do you want to live believing that promise? You want to live believing the promise. That's a lot nicer. It's more fun. It's more pleasant. It's more joyful to live believing that truth. There are many ways that we as Christians doubt. But but ultimately, all of them come down to doubting his his promises, doubting his goodness, doubting God in various ways, being disbelieving like Thomas about any number of things. So if you're unbelieving, remember what Jesus says to Thomas. Blessed are they who have not seen and yet have believed.
Have you not seen the blessing that you long for in your life? Undoubtedly, there are many blessings that you long for that you haven't yet received. Right? There are many good things that all of us want. And, and my, the, the promise of God is not that he will fulfill your every desire, okay, but that your every desire will be changed to what is correct. <laughs> and that then he will give you that. You see the difference between those two things? You know, he will give you the desires of your heart, but first he, change, he takes out your heart and he gives you a new heart. So it's like, well, wait a minute, is he going to give me the desires of my heart or not? And the answer is yes. The good ones. The ones that are going to be good for you. And that's such a sweet blessing. Now, have you, have you disbelieved? Have you doubted those promises? Have you, have you refused to believe them until you say, you know what, <clears throat> until, until the day that I have children, I just, I just don't believe that God is actually good. Or until the day that we're financially stable as a family, I simply, I'm going to have to just struggle with this doubt. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to be disbelieving, but be believing. Those who trust him and believe his promises in spite of not yet seeing are truly blessed. It's so joyful to live believing those promises. Ultimately, we all have doubts. We all, we all are like Thomas in our disbelief in various ways. <clears throat> and God is very gracious, even when we make demands of him. Sometimes he shows up like Jesus showed up with Thomas. And there's, there is no reason why Thomas should have been received so graciously by Jesus Christ at that point, right? And yet, Jesus comes and simply says, here, put your hands, put your fingers in, touch my side, and believe. And so, so much of the time, we doubt and we disbelieve and then God gives us the good gift. And we think, I mean, I knew he promised it and I knew I should believe it, but I just didn't believe it and yet he still gave it to me. How gracious, 
our Heavenly Father is how many good gifts have come down from Him. Don't be unbelieving, but believe. And you will have the peace and joy and faith that passes all understanding. And you will be what the world sees as evidence that God has sent His Son.